Are you listening? Damn. And a big welcome back to the Endurance Hour podcast. This is episode 372. Back alongside Kona coach, Wendy Mater, preparing for um, her next venture and uh, adventure on the Big Island here in less than four weeks. Kona coach, how's uh, training going? It's going really well. I'm definitely got about a week or so more of the higher volume, you know, Ironman and above race pace intensity. And then I start the taper, which I'm actually really excited about. Everyone's excited for the taper. You know, I'm on that 12 week advanced Ironman plan that's on our training peaks account. It's one of our plans. So I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm eating, what is it? What is it? I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. We made it and I'm following it. So, uh, I'll be a, an example of, uh, an advanced Ironman plan, which is 12 weeks long, but really if it's 12 weeks, is it really only 11? Because the last week is the last 10 days is more of a taper. Um, a training plan includes a taper. All our training plans include a taper. So I mean, I mean, so so I'm gonna say you have let's say let's say you're 12 weeks out saying today. Yeah. Then I'm gonna say you have a good nine and a half to 10 weeks of build progression, and then you start your taper. Okay. Hey, I am I am fired up. Um, I had a rough last couple of days, but I am fired up now. And part of it is my morning routine, and you know how important it is to have something that you can rely on. That's that's uh, consistent, and mine yeah. has been, you know, uh, jumping in the cold water, and by doing it like between five and seven minutes long daily, and sometimes I, d- I do it twice. In fact, because of the plan, last week I had, uh, I think I backtrack. One day I had a ninety-minute ride, uh, uh, and then I did nine miles of running, and then the next day I had, I think it was a maybe it was the three and a half hour bike, and the next day was a twelve-mile run. Mm-hmm. After the bike, I always plunge, cold plunge after a workout because, you know, work on the inflammation of the legs and so on. Well, I cold plunged in the morning before my 12 mile run. And then I cold plunged after the run. And this is, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a weird revelation. I, and, I've, and it's just my experience, my results, but I have not felt sore after the next day. Or if I have, it's so minor that it's, it doesn't even pop up on my radar of, you know, the mm-hmm. usual inflammation and the soreness after hard workouts. And those, that was a three day block of some, you know, pretty hard training. And I felt fine. I was just surprising. And I keep, keep on doing this. In fact, right now I am pretty jazzed up because before the podcast, I went in and did a six minute plunge at 53 degrees. Uh-huh. And I don't know, cause I don't, I haven't asked anybody else, you know, of course I read online 52 is kind of like that sweet spot that people say you should, you know, go in the water for and, and hold it there. I saw Tony Robbins in the video to say he goes 57. I mean, 57 seems easy to me, but I was going around 50 degrees. And so this morning, 53 degrees, I did it right before the podcast. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. My whole mindset for the day is better. My energy is kind of highlight right now. What, what do you do to get your day going in the, in the right direction for you, Wendy? A coffee. Coffee. Me so too. I'm definitely a morning coffee person and I'm a morning workout person. Ah. I'm, I do have a schedule and I do wake up early to go train. Some days I'm up at 445 and I'm on the bike or I'm swimming by six. And what happens to me when I'm working out in the morning is it's, it's my processing time. It kind of stimulates my brain 
to all of a sudden be like, wow, I'm awake. I have all these things I want to get done today. I usually have my phone with me depending on what I'm doing. And I'll either give myself a, a voice note or I'll put some notes in my list of things to do. I work on other athletes training plans while I'm working out because for some reason, whatever it is, endorphins, whatever it is, just really gets me going in the morning. Yeah. And and I definitely am definitely the coffee person in the morning. And thinking about you and your cold water, you know, it's it's noon here, my time. And so I'm like, gosh, I'd love to jump in some cold water because I know when I used to do that, it used to wake me up. And I tell athletes who are always complaining of being tired, whether it's a youth athlete or an adult, I say, well, jump in cold water and that'll definitely do the trick and wake you up. So I listen to Tony Robbins clips, whether it's on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it may be, or a podcast that has motivational phrases or uh, talks. Mm -hmm. And one of his morning routines was that he'll start the day off with a jacuzzi or a hot tub just to loosen up the muscles and then mm -hmm. immediately jump into cold water. And he says that cold water jump just jump starts his nervous system, changes his state, which is talks about his attitude, his mind, and mm -hmm. that sets the tone for the day. And if you have a different state, a positive state, everything else follows in the right direction. And I've really kind of, you know, taken hold of that. And it's just for my own personal, I mean, I'm, I'm not an evangelist for cold water, but I feel like just leading by example and sharing my results that it's a no brainer for me. And I'm not going to like get out and start telling everyone to do it. But when I talk about it, it's like, these are the benefits that I'm experiencing. And mm -hmm. it's, I think life changing is a little strong of a phrase. But everything has been better since I've been doing it. And I've learned about it with the, you know, the, whether it's the metabolism, whether it's the heart rate, the inflammation, mm -hmm. you know, helping with restoring and building endurance and overall mood a boost, you know, all these different things are such a positive thing. And, and then I realized that I'm not sore. And this is the reason I got this, this thing and I bought this was because I'm preparing for not my last Ironman, but you know, it's going to be I'm telling myself maybe this is the last one for mm -hmm. a while. And maybe just by saying that, I'm going to try to prove myself wrong later. You know, my reverse psychology. This is my last one. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everything's been working as a result of like, okay, I want to make this a good one. Not that all my chips, you know, all my eggs were in basket. And if it goes bad, it's a, it's a lost cause. Because like you, it's the process that's enjoyable, not always the racing. It's like, I want to have a great day and I have a whole stretch of, uh, of days that I can work out and feel good about what I've done and sleep well or feel good. Race is just like, okay, that's the end of it. I, sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to end right now. I mean, do you get that feeling like the race is like the end of the end of the book? Like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't I want to come to the end. I want to keep on going, but this is what I've been working up to. I just wish I could just keep on working. No. I think no. maybe when I started, my first Ironman was in 1997. And I think that goes back to, you know, I was going to finish. I'd never run a marathon before. I was very inexperienced. My training was distance based. I really didn't, don't remember having like any specific intensity, intervals, threshold, tempo, anything like that. I just ran, biked and swam for time and or distance. And the goal was just to finish. And there was definitely an Ironman letdown. We've talked about post-Ironman mm. depression syndrome yeah. because I finished and now I was like, now what? You know, I was just the fittest person I've ever been in my life at age 24. What do I do now? And and back then there was really no guidance um, like there is today. And that's one of the things that led me to be a coach 
is so other athletes don't have to go through that depression like thing that I went through after my first Ironman and in just not having any goals after that. I mean, I had no idea. So now when I, when I do an event, like a big event, like an Ironman or an ultra run or, or any of my key events, um, I, I, it's closure. It's definitely like I check it off and I'm like, okay, I'm going to close that book. For example, I ran, um, a 5k and this was my fifth time running this 5k on labor day and I broke 20 minutes and that's always been the goal. And so now I feel like, okay, I've, I've closed that chapter. I'm going to retire this race and move on and do something different. You know, I'm going to go to Kona. I may retire Kona for a while and go do something different. So I don't get, I always have a plan. I know because mm. it's been my lifestyle. You know, I was, yeah. I was a swimmer kindergarten through college and I started triathlon 30 years ago. It's always been a lifestyle. So, so I, I don't get those letdowns anymore. I get the, oh my gosh, this is the end of this training block race day. It's another day of training. Let's see if everything I've done mentally and physically has prepared me for what I think I'm going to be able to do based on my training. And I also know anything can happen. And so there's so many uncontrollable things that can happen race day. The biggest are like mechanicals or weather. You can't control that. And I have the experience to know that. And so for me, it's like, it's like the party at the end of the season. And then you do it, you finish, you, you reflect, and then you say, okay, what's next? Cause there's always, for me, there's always, there's always something else. What's next. I just don't know always what that is, but there's always something. As you're talking here, the, the, the term report card pops into my head mm -hmm. as if did all your work result in a good grade. And I know the variables, I know the variables, you mentioned the variables, but do you, do you kind of see it as, did it pay off? Did what I, what I did in training, did it, did it bear fruit on the day? And this is, this right. is my report card. If I look back, I can look at my numbers and your numbers are your report card. Do you, do you kind of see it like that? For, for even athletes who are thinking, how do I grade my, my performance? It's not yeah. the end. It's not like, okay, it's all or nothing, but you can pull right. something from it. Right. It's, and for me, it's, it's the, the process, the execution, the, the result, the, the performance, the progress, the goal is to say, based on what I've done up until this point, based on my previous 20 Ironmans and everything I've learned, good and bad from those, I'm giving, I'm putting into my next Ironman and, and, and I, and I have an execution plan. So my, my, my good performance is based on how well I executed my plan. And I think that's really important to have an execution plan, pacing, nutrition, as well as mental thoughts and, and mindset and to say, okay, this is the day I get to test myself on my execution, knowing my execution can be um, thrown off if I get a flat tire, if I miss taking a gel or a, a Gatorade or water, or if I get windblown coming off of Javi and Kona, or, you know, I just, I know this. So my execution now becomes how well am I able to adapt to the conditions, to the conditions if I get a mechanical, to the hotter or cooler conditions, to the, to the wind conditions, to you know, just all my surroundings, the ex, the adaptation as part of the execution. And that to me 
is going to lead to a good or bad performance based on how I take control of everything that day. So you, 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 you judge or grade yourself based on, did you perform to your training, um, training results, right? Yeah. My, my fitness level based on what I've done, yeah. my mindset and my fitness is going, is at a certain place right now mm-hmm. based on my previous experiences I'm capable of as well as, as well as how well do I execute is going to determine what I'm capable of doing ultimately. Two examples. Recently, I heard uh, um, a UFC fighter mention like if I went out there and gave my best effort and performed at my top ability and still lost, I feel good about it. But if I won and didn't really do what I wanted to do, yeah, I won, but I didn't really feel good about my performance. The other example is I was rewatching, and I forget what the situation was, but I was rewatching uh, the 10 or 15 minute YouTube clip of the, uh, the Iron War in 89 where mm-hmm. Mark Allen finally beats Dave Scott. And in the event, both of them, uh, for, you know, Mark Allen wins finally, but both of them PR'd. I mean, their, their marathon times were both PRs by enormous amounts. And yet uh-huh. Dave lost on his best day. He lost against Mark Allen on his best possible day. And uh-huh. I think, you know, obviously because David already won six, but that would have been against anybody else. He would have had a, his best day ever of all time. And yet he lost. I don't know if he, how he feels, feels about that. Like, Hey, I did great, but I just got beat by the better guy, even though I, we crushed it on the marathon. You know what I mean? Yeah. So thinking about, and I want to, I want to bring this question up now just cause it, it fits in here. I know we have some questions to get to, but this is one of those kind of podcasts, uh, training to finish versus training to perform. And the difference we've discussed this, but because you're you're at a higher level than most and you've done this a long time and you're preparing for the world championship, people train to finish, and that's usually the beginners, but some people are training to perform. The difference of those and maybe the mindset of a person who's jockeying between the two during their, their process. Well, I think for me, it's definitely being present and really focused on my training. So I already mentioned my first Ironman, I went to finish. There was no GPS devices. There wasn't really anything to track. And and that's actually changed the way people train. And I was a competitive swimmer. So I knew how to train. I knew how to train by effort. And, and, um, I just really mostly trained by time and distance and I, and I finished. And then I read a training book. I read Joe Friel's, um, cycling training Bible and, and then the rest is history. I became a coach, et cetera. I know for me over the years, the difference between me training for some Ironmans has been sometimes I haven't been present where I'll just go ride the trainer and get in a four hour trainer ride without being specific to a certain intensity, heart rate, power, or pace. And then I go out and try to ride it. This has happened to me in 2010 then I go and try to ride the Ironman course as hard as I can and I get depleted and I have nothing for the run and I crash and burn pretty hard on the run. And so I was actually reading my 2010 race report. So it's been on my mind and I'm thinking this year, you know, I, I, I went with the intention to qualify for Kona when I did Ironman Florida in 2021. That was my intention. That was my, my focus. And now that I made it to Kona, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to waste the next year. I want to be healthy. And so I, I've been really in tune with my injury prevention, um, which is mobility and core stuff. 
I've been getting chiropractic work and massage, which is something I've never gotten in the past, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an older athlete. I, I need to, you know, kind of go after all the recovery I can get. I'm really focused on sleep where I pretty much go to bed at the same time every day. I'm an early riser. So I wake up anytime between 4:30 and 5:30 every morning so I can get my workouts in, in the morning. My schedule doesn't dictate that I always have to work out in the morning, but it's definitely something I prefer to do and it gets me in the habit and it gets me in the routine. My rate, our races are at, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning. So it's really good to become a morning workout person so you can get race day ready. And I'm really focused. Um, I get more tuned into my nutrition. So it's really for me just a presency and it's a, I wake up in the morning, I have a planned, I'm going to use the bike ride, I have a planned mileage and I have a planned session, for, you know, mixed of intervals at certain intensities that I'm going to get done. And if I don't get them done because I'm tired or something else has happened to me, then I adapt my training. But I don't just get on the trainer and ride mindlessly like I have in the past while training for other Ironmans. So it's definitely a more intensive, all encompassing lifestyle when I'm going to perform versus just going to do another Ironman. I know I can finish pending, pending mechanicals and other issues out of my control. I know I can finish, but sometimes I just still go just to finish. Mm -hmm. And, but now I want to go and there's a difference between finishing and performing. Hopefully that made sense. Is there anything different about this year's event or this time in your life where this Kona, I'm getting the impression this Kona means a little bit more and there's a, a, a greater focus on it. And I'm just wondering, is there a certain why it's associated with this particular event? Well, you know, this will be, I think, number 21 Ironman for me, number, I believe, 11 in Kona. Um, I'm kind of ready to be done with Ironman for a while. I want to focus on other things like ultras and trail running and Spartan races and just other fun activities that I've been getting into the last few years. I haven't been to Kona since 2017 and it's just, it's, it, I love the training and I love the time commitment that I'm giving it and everything about it. But, and at the same time, it's, it's very expensive. You know, my first Ironman entry fee was somewhere between $225 and $275. And now the entry fee for Kona this year, I believe was like $1,100 and just the travel and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of ready to say you're healthy, meaning I'm not injured. Um, you're fit, you're strong. Let's give it, let's give it everything this year and kind of hang it up for a while. Do you want to have a feeling afterwards? Like, okay, that, that was it. Or like when you cross the finish line or the next day you reflect going, all right, I left it all out there. This, I feel good about pushing this to the side for a little while. Yes. That's what you want to feel. It's like, okay, yes, I and did I, my and best. I, yes. And I feel that way already. You know, mm. I did, I did, I did, I did Florida and I did really well. So I'm implementing a lot of the, 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 the strategies I used to do Florida, as well as strategies I've done in the past. I mean, looking back at my race report from 2010, it was my best bike split in Kona, but I hammered the bike. Mm. I hammered the bike like it was an Olympic distance, you know, like I hammered the bike and I had no legs for the run. I'm not going to do that again. You know, I think there was a little ego in that, in that race for me. And so um, I'm very comfortable on, on my execution plan. I'm very comfortable already on whatever the result's going to be because the process 
has been so much fun and enjoyable and not stressful for me. I don't feel like I'm like, oh my God, I have to do this. I have to do that. I don't, I feel like my schedule has allowed me, um, the flexibility to do what I need to do and, and my family and friends support and everything has fallen into place that no matter how I finish, whether I finish running or walking, I'm totally okay with it. I get to go race on the big Island again. And that's really exciting to me to get that experience, especially cause it hasn't happened in three years for most people. Like they haven't had the Ironman in Kona since 2019. And so I get to be part of this, you know, kind of first time experience where the women race on Thursday yeah. by themselves. And yeah. it's Mike Riley's last time to announce in Kona. That's exciting. I get to yeah. be part of that history of what the Ironman is about. So that that's, you know, so there's a lot going on this year and it's been all good. And it's not so much results as as like a, a Florida would be because Florida was a qualifying effort versus this one. Is it a celebration? Is it still, it's a celebration. Let, let me see sure. what I can do against my age group. Or is it like, let me see what I can do against Wendy. It's what, it, what let me see what I can do against Wendy because mm-hmm. you know, the, I'm at the top of my age group, 49. Yeah. I still, I obviously I still want to win my age group, but more importantly, I want a podium. I've only been on the podium in Kona once and that was 2008 but more importantly, it's, 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 it's about me and what I have accomplished through my Ironman journey. Yeah. And, and again, I always love the process and now I just get to get to go execute it. So it's definitely more of a celebration than it is, um, a competition. You know, I mm-hmm. had to compete in Florida because I had to get a slot. Yeah. Once I got the slot, it's kind of like that with relief. I had a sense of relief of, oh my gosh, I did it everything from this point forward is going to be freeing, you know, mentally and physically freeing. Cause I've always, you know, I've always trained for triathlon. That's the easy part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, when you mentioned before we pressed record about train to finish versus train to perform, uh, I think I'm, I'm trying to, um, with this Arizona effort, mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to be disciplined for, you know, 10 to 12 weeks. And that's why I'm glad I got the 12 week plan. Cause I just don't think I, I know myself enough to where it's hard for me to stay focused that long. And I want to prove to myself chip on my shoulder. I want to prove to myself. I can stay focused for that many weeks in a row. And if I do that, then it's going to be day versus Dave. It's not finishing, but performing versus my, my 2013 effort. And I think mm-hmm. I can do that. And that confidence alone, knowing, believing that I can do better is half that battle, I believe. And in on this last, last training run I did, it was just 12 miles. It wasn't that big of a deal, the 12 mile part. And I had some goals within, I did two, six mile blocks. I had some goals within the run to, uh, stay a certain pace or average a certain pace. And then in my mind, I'm going, okay, if I had to double this and I had to add a minute per mile, how would I have done mm-hmm. against, uh, my former self there? And I would have been better. So I was like, okay, I'm on track. Not that I can do right. it yet because I haven't done more than 12 miles or 13 miles recently. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. add a minute to the this 12-mile run per mile. That's probably realistic, and that would be faster than my Arizona time last year. So already the confidence of going, all right, bike the bike so I can run the run. All right, let's be smart in the bike. Last time mm-hmm. I had a flat, and I overdid it to make up for the flat time, and I still had a good time. But if I am smarter, and then after a, a bike test I did recently, based on the plan, it's like, oh, I'm not where I thought I would be, 
but now I know where I am. And these tests, these, this feedback and data is so valuable to help me look at performing to my ability. And I, and obviously I, because of my age and because of how good guys are at 50, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be a, anywhere close to the top 50. And that's fine. I don't care. That's not what I'm looking to do. I'm just looking to beat my previous time and perform and feel good about the performance. Even if I don't break my time that I'm go- my mm-hmm. goal time is, if I feel fit, I'm going to feel happy. So the difference between yeah, finishing and, I, and performing. Yeah, and another thing I want to throw out there. So I want to give an example of, of training to perform versus training to train or training to, to finish. So when I'm, you know, doing especially my transition runs or my long runs Mm -hmm. i'm not just going out for an eight like the other day i did an eight mile run off a 35 mile bike i didn't just go run eight miles i mean i ran eight miles with an intention of doing you know a certain amount of time at at half ironman pace and a certain amount of time at 10k pace that's really taxing that's really intense it's really like for me it's mentally saying you you want to do well on that Kona marathon. You have to you have to target these paces. You don't have to hit the paces, but you have to target the effort. Mm. Whereas whereas my Ironman that I was training for in 2017, I would have just gone out and just ran eight miles mm. to run eight miles. So that's the difference. The like difference mechanical. Between, you're just like you're just going through the motions of like just going through the I motions of running. Check eight this miles. box. Yeah. Check this box. Yeah. But the other day, as well as the last few months of training, it's, it's all about putting in a, a certain effort because I know people are fast and it's going to come down to that marathon. And, and, and I have I have history of running well off the bike. I have history of well marathons. And then I have also have history of walking marathons. And so I want to get my I know I know four weeks out I'm where I want to be, which is a really good feeling. But it's definitely that that present being present and saying if you have to tar- you have to tackle this effort that's going to make you a stronger faster runner not just tackling the miles cuz cuz my endurance is not my limiter it's my it's my speed and being able to hold that speed for an extended period of time and being hydrated and making sure I'm fueling myself so I can sustain the speed for a long period of time I'm, wonder- I'm just going for the marathon I want to do a really well in the marathon <laughs> I bet you people are listening going, what kind of self-talk is Wendy giving herself to stay focused in a race? I mean, you already know your Uh potential on the run and you know that you've had some bad run experiences. What is your self-talk through your race? I mean, do you have self-talk in the the swim? The whole entire entire marathon. Can you walk me through your self-talk? I'm actually writing my race report while I'm racing. Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. Because it's all self-talk. It's 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 the marathon. Like I remember the marathon in 20, 2009 and I walked pretty much the whole entire marathon because I had GI distress. And it was really miserable until I got out on the Queen K and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in Kona right now. There's no reason to dwell on how I'm feeling. There's no reason to be upset. I'm going to finish another Ironman and I'm going to finish it on the big island. And that was really all I needed to tell myself to help me get through the last, you know, half marathon of the marathon course. Cause I was walking a lot. And so, um, as I'm running and, and kind of feeling myself starting to fade, like I did in Florida last year, it just had to keep telling myself, even though you're slowing down, it's all about slowing down the least amount possible. And if you walk, you're going to slow down 
slower. You're going to be slower when you slow down. So just even if you slow down and you're still jogging and you're still making forward progress, you're, you still have to finish as quickly as you possibly can because you want to qualify. And the thought of not qualifying, um, was, was good enough to keep me going, even though I was hurting so bad, the thought of not qualifying was what motivated me to say, don't give up, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And so it's always, because I have the experience, I can reflect on experience, you know, good and bad experiences. And that's what drives me forward. But what's the difference between Wendy making that switch of going positive talk versus someone going negative talk? If you're out there, how do you, how do you, you, you have to practice and going through, how do you say and tell yourself, no, say positive things, stay optimistic versus everything else about your, your, not you, but anybody who's out there going, this is hard. How do you say, don't think that way. Let me, Um, even if I have to say the words to say the words, how do you get someone to make that switch go? No, no, don't think that way. Use these phrases instead, because it has to be forced at first, I think. Well, I think, I think the easy answer is focus on your why Mm. you always have to remember why you're out there. Like I already said, my why for Florida was number one, nailing that marathon. Cause I knew if I nailed the marathon, I'd qualify. So it was always focused on your why. And, and, you know, there, we had extreme wind and we had some pretty harsh conditions in Florida with, with the riptide and all that. And it was always for me, it was always smiling. So number two is smiling. Number one, focus on your why, remember mm. why you're out there. And if you're out there to finish and you just want to, you just want to finish and feel good, then it's okay to slow down or to walk if that's going to make you feel better than running, you know, just always focus on your why, your why, your why, your why is so important, especially for a long endurance event. And then smile when you're in pain, when you smile, it just seems like it's a little bit easier. And then you get people, um, uh, spectators will smile back at you and they'll start cheering for you and they'll start saying how good you look even though you may be feeling miserable, they'll just start saying how good a job you're doing. And then that, then you smile back and you thank the volunteers and you just become by being grateful and smiling and remembering your why. I think that helps get you through any distress that you're under in an endurance event. I was telling my wife about, uh, Arizona and she came out to the very end of, uh, uh, 70.3 Coeur d'Alene because we have two little kids. And I know I knew it was going to be hard for her. I said, don't, you don't have to come out in my back of my mind. I was like, I just want to see them, you know, uh-huh. and, I, and I wrote on my shoes and I, you talk about why I got the, some, you know, new hokas, they're red and I wanted to match my kit. I wrote my son's name on my, one of my shoes and my daughter's name on my other shoe. That's and awesome. four, four letters. So I thought about them looking down and I wanted to show them after the fact. And I showed my son, Finn. Uh, mm-hmm. I said, look, there's your name. There's your letter, F-I-N-N. There's your name. I put it on my shoe. He doesn't know it, what it really means or what it did for me. But that was one of those things like, all right, this is, here's my why. And I thought about this before the, we even talked about this today. I'm going to put yeah. in, in permanent marker on my wrist, on my hand, the word why at Arizona. And I thought about this last week. W-H-Y on the inside of my, so when I'm running or I look down, I will see it and I have my whys and (laughs) they're my two kids. Those are my whys. And I think that's going to be my motivator on race day uh, to give everything I have and be smart about my, about my effort. So it's good to hear you say that, but you know, for sure. Cause not everyone can do this. 
you got to put it somewhere. You get these reminders. And I'm, that's what I was talking, thinking about when, when you made that switch, like I'm out here in Kona, how does someone get to that point of recognizing and having gratitude in the moment when all things point to this is hard? I mean, I think it goes back to experience. And I know for me, again, 1997 was my first Ironman. And I remember saying, no matter what happens, I'm in Hawaii. So, so no matter how bad I, a point I might get to, which I never got to on my first Ironman at all, but I knew I had the attitude way back in 1997. It's okay. You're in Hawaii. How many people get to say they get to race the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii? Yeah. And it goes back to a little bit about what we talked about last week, about there's more slots, there's more qualifications for women. And I had said everyone should get to experience racing on the big island because it's not like any other Ironman or any other endurance event I've ever done. And so it's it's just, you know, practicing gratitude as a life again, as a lifestyle, then it just kind of carries with you into your events. Um, and, and again, anything you, you get good at anything by experiencing it, yeah. experiencing it. And so, because I have so many different experiences, positive and negative and so many learning, op- I've had so many learning opportunities to be able to kind of put it together and, and smile and be grateful and thank a volunteer. You know, it's, what, it's, <laughs> it's so helpful to do that. I'm seeing you smile now and it pops into my head. I just think Chrissy Wellington. I see you smile. I think Chrissy uh-huh. Wellington because that was one of her signature looks, yeah. you know, she's, she's out of the swim, she's smiling and then she's, uh Oh, you don't want to see her smile on the run because that's bad news for her competition. Mm-hmm. If for people who don't know Chrissy Wellington undefeated at the Ironman distance, I think it was 13 Ironmans that she had never lost that she entered yeah. in one and what was it? Three or four time Kona winner. I can't remember which been a few years since she's retired. Anyhow, uh, Chrissy yeah. Wellington, look her up. <sighs> self-talk. I don't know if I want to go. I feel like I still want to hear more about your self-talk process from swim, transition, bike, transition, and run. What are things are you chatting to yourself? And is it is it things you have pre-planned or you're going over your game plan as you go and like reassessing throughout the, the race? I never have anything pre-planned like that. I mean, to me, it's like, okay, I get through the swim. Oh, I felt good. Uh, didn't feel so great, but that's okay. I'm done with the swim. Ah, I'm out of the water. I get to bike. Yay. I get yeah. to bike. Yeah. And you no, know, this is what, this is actually what goes on in my mind. I'm really excited to get on my bike and I'm telling myself, you finally get to bike, you get on the bike, you know, you do your thing on the ride. And then my gosh, every time I dismount the bike, I'm like, yes, I made it. I'm off the bike. I get to go run the marathon and I didn't have any mechanicals and I didn't have any GI distress, whatever happens. There's so many things that can happen on the bike to prevent you from finishing, especially a mechanical. So I'm always just super relieved. Yes. I get to go train. I just get to go. I get to go. I don't have to go. I get to go run this marathon that I've trained so well for. I'm not injured. Yay. Let's go run. Let's see what happens. And then, and then as I'm running, you know, I'm like, la da 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 da. I'm focused on my breathing. I'm focused on my effort. I'm focused on just really a head to toe assessment of how I'm feeling. I'm thanking the volunteers. I'm going through the aid stations. I get to see some friends and family. I'm like, hey, yay, I'm going to finish, you know, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can finish and I can maintain this pace. That's the goal. Let's see what happens. Let's keep executing, remembering my execution plan 
reminding myself I need to pull back if I feel like I'm going too hard, remind myself, eh, you know, you can probably push a little bit more. You're feeling pretty good. And, and this is exactly what goes on in my mind. This is my self-talk. I just told you exactly yeah. what my self-talk is. It's, it's, it's going from one event to the next and kind of hitting reset. Okay. New event, start. Enter T2, new event, start. Exit T2, new event, start. And so I'm constantly resetting myself based on the circumstances of the day. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty awesome <laughs> that I can do that. You know, I, recently I, I misplaced my heart rate monitor strap for my Garmin. And I, and I lost it or misplaced it a couple weeks ago. And... Um, as a result, I've been just using whatever the heart rate is on the watch because it's supposed to keep track, but not as accurate as the heart rate strap does. And I was reminded, like, my effort's my effort. My heart rate is going to say what it's going to say. Kind of like when mm -hmm. I, I remember re uh, recapping my 70.3 race where I didn't look at my watch the entire time, which is a big deal for me because I, I did it on purpose because I knew RPE is RPE. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go as fast as I can doesn't matter what the numbers say because this is my feeling. I'm going to go mm -hmm. on feel. And lately I've been doing that the same thing where I don't have the heart rate. So, well, it doesn't matter. I'm going to go and whatever the number is, it is on the pace. But I know what it feels like. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like uh, you're not running in the, in the dark, but running on a feel. And I can, re, I can uh, revisit that feeling hopefully on race day. And same thing with the bike effort. How does this feel? Okay, let me, feel, let me know what that is. Now I'll look at the numbers. What's, yeah. how's it, how they correspond later in the ride. How does this feel? What do the numbers say? Okay. That's now I got to sense back and forth what they are and the same thing on the run. Love it. Love it. And I, I think that was, uh, some of that was inspired and in, by you of like, you just go with what you feel. And sometimes you don't have the heart rate start with you at the time and it doesn't matter because that's what the numbers are, but you're not going to change it. You're not going to go harder just because you're, you're behind. You can go what you train for, you know? Right. My heart rate number and my pace and my power is not going to tell me how I feel. Yeah. Only, only how I feel is going to tell me how I feel. And so I don't get bogged down by the, those types of numbers. I just go by how I feel. And, and then I assess the numbers as feedback based on how I felt. I know there's some value on the heart rate. I know for me, if I'm racing in heat, that if I go be beyond a certain you know number, or it lets me know if I'm not hydrated well, or mm -hmm. that I need to cool down. I've looked at that in the past, but I think um, I may end up just doing this this feeling part uh, in Arizona coming up soon. Yeah. I think it's kind of the smart way to go. I know we've gone a while, and as we were talking, I think let's just talk. I mean, it's we're about forty minutes into the show. I know we have questions, um, but we've got I got other things to do and those questions can be held and they're still relevant next time around. So Sounds let's, good. let's do that. Um, I hope you guys got something out of that. Uh, this is just one of those free forming, free flowing topics of conversation that I, I hope you found value in. And as thank you for following our journey, both Wendy and mine, as we, as Wendy leads up to her Kona and I lead up to Arizona and for both of us, luckily it'll be, we'll both get to experience Mike Riley one more time at the finish line. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Very exciting. For Wendy Mater, I'm Dave Erickson. Thank you so much for listening this week. Have a great week of training, racing, and recovery. We'll see you back here next time. Adios. Adios. Mm -hmm.